Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. The hawk will never die. Welcome back to the week 13 preview episode of Hawk Hill Focus. I'm your host, Sam Robinson, alongside nobody again, riding solo for this Thursday afternoon. But we got a good show in for you today. We're going to take a look at some of the potential playoff teams. And the last time, it was just Kyle and I, we did a segment on positivity. Um, but I'm Mr. Grinch. I'm feeling Grinch-like as we turn from Thanksgiving over the Christmas season. And I'm going to go through the six current projected playoff teams and talk about all of their weaknesses and why they should be worried heading into the playoffs. Just to throw a little scare into you. Um, and then obviously, I'll also do pickums. I am the only one that has pickums in at the moment. So, David and Kyle, I call upon you to share your pickums with the group via Facebook if you can, so we can keep track. But let's get into our episode. So, as I mentioned, I'm feeling Grinch like as we turn into the holiday season here. So, I'm going to take a look at the projected six playoff teams. Now, there's a chance that this might shake out a little bit. Um, John Luca and his team, Kyle's daddy, is technically still in the playoff hunt, as is Team Mandarano. According to ESPN, Rob Dunning and Jim is a bye week also have a 1% playoff chance. So I'm not really sure how that works at 4 and 8, um, because Gil is listed at a 0% playoff chance at 4 and 8. But apparently Rob has a very slim chance as well, so I don't want to count him out. Um, the only two teams that are officially mathematically out per ESPN are the All About the Bass Boys and Philly D's Nuts at the moment. Nick sits at five and seven. Um, six and six currently has playoff spots with Kyle and Julie. Um, Nick's at five and seven has a 6% chance per ESPN. John Lucas Kyle's daddy has also a five and seven record, but are given a 19% chance per ESPN. So I don't want to discount them. However, I don't feel like doing the two extra teams, if I'm being quite honest. Um, so I'm just going to look at the six that are currently projected to make the playoffs. And where I'm going to start is with our current projected number one seed. That's not me, for those who are listening. I'm honored that you thought I would start with myself as a number one seed. But it currently looks like um, David Powison, good ankles, is projected to be the number one seed. He beats me in the tiebreaker for points four with a 9-3 and three record. Now, David's team has a couple of what I would call red flags. Let's start with the obvious. He doesn't have what I would consider a sustainable RB2. He has Daryl Henderson there, who's currently listed as questionable going into next week. I'm not all too concerned with that going into playoffs. I don't think it's a big, uh, big injury to watch out for. But So that's his running back one. His RB2 at least per what I'm looking at on his roster right now. Currently, he has Matt Breida starting, which, I mean, do I really need to speak upon that? It's Matt Breida. What year are we in that he is bringing fantasy relevance? I know he's had two good games in the last three weeks. One of them was against the Jets, though, um, so it's hard to kind of count that in. Both of the two good games I should mention as well were games that he found the end zone, so it's a little touchdown dependent. Um, you know, he had 15 points in week 10, 11.5 points week 12, um, 6.7 during week 11 to kind of fill in that three-week gap. 
those were his only three games that he's played other than in week one where he had four carries. Um, the other concerning thing about Brita as well is that he's had less than 10 carries in each of those outings. Now, I'm not sure what the, you know, maybe he's just riding the hot hand that he's starting him at his RB2 right now. Um, I guess the fact that this also obviously depends on Dalvin Cook. I'm kind of assuming that Dalvin Cook's injury is a little more serious and will kind of bleed into the playoffs. Um, so I should mention, in a perfect world, David has Daryl Henderson as his RB2 regularly. Um, but Dalvin Cook sustained some sort of knee injury, or sorry, shoulder injury. I was getting him mixed up. Um, and he's expected to miss the next two games, which, so I guess if it is just two games and David has a bye, maybe he'll get lucky. Um, but if David loses that number one seed, that will bleed into week one of the fantasy football playoffs. And I'm not assuming that anyone has buys or anything right now. So I just want to put that caveat out there. So David, I am concerned about your RB2 situation because the only other guy that you have is either Mark Ingram or Jordan Howard which Kamara looks like he's recovering. That's what I was thinking of with the knee injury. Um, he looks like he's kind of on pace to return sometime soon. So you'll see Mark Ingram, you know, fantasy value decrease. And then Jordan Howard, I mean, it, the Eagles run game, good luck picking a running back. Obviously he is kind of that end zone guy that they seem to trust when they're in the red zone, but it's the Eagles offense who's been shaky at best. Another concern that I have for David's team is his quarterback, Justin Herbert, has been one of the more boomer bust quarterbacks that we've seen this year. I mean, the guy ranks, I think he's still somewhere in the top 10 in terms of points per game basis um, going into the year. But just kind of reading off, you know, he's got three, four weeks above 30 fantasy points. Um, actually it's even above four weeks above 25 fantasy points is what I'm seeing. Sorry, five weeks. Got a math over here. Um, so that's only half your weeks above 25 fantasy points, which isn't bad. 25 is a good fantasy week, but you know, in the playoffs, the fact that you have a couple of clunkers thrown in there, there's a lot of, you see a 15, 16, 13, 14 point performance instead of Justin Herbert, you need at least 20 consistently. And that's four of them where he's kind of proved that he's capable of doing worse and kind of having the bottom fall out. That's stuff that'll lose, lose you in the playoffs, especially if you're lacking depth at other positions, um, again, such as his running back. So I am slightly concerned with Justin Herbert. I don't really think he has much of an option other than to, you know, ride or die with him. He is his only quarterback on the roster, which the way we kind of saw Justin Herbert jump onto the scene last year, you kind of assumed he would be. Um, but I am slightly concerned about Justin Herbert moving forward. So I think those are my only two concerns. I've been mean enough to David in this round. Um, and I'll move on to the next team, which is the projected sixth seed, Julie and the Oz Broncos. Now, when I take a look at Julie's team, I think the first glaring issue is injury. DeAndre Hopkins has been iffy. All season. And I know this is kind of a, a cop-out. Injuries happen with every team. But Julie's team, honestly, as I kind of keep saying on the podcast, looked good. I mean, again, Matthew Stafford has been a liability the last couple of weeks. That's her quarterback. That is, I guess, another concern. But I don't see that being a long-term thing. 
I think Matthew Stafford's a very good quarterback. He's an established NFL quarterback. He's never given me a reason to think that he'll have prolonged struggles. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that. But I do really circle the injury around DeAndre Hopkins because that's been what feels like almost a month at this point. I'll kind of go back and check. Yeah, so he hasn't played since week eight. Now, Cliff Kingberry says that he's hoping that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins will return again and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that's kind of the game that we played in week eight with Green Bay. It was, you know, he was questionable up until week eight. He played week eight, you know, played a handful of snaps, re-aggravated the hamstring. He's been out since then. And, you know, I feel like we've seen these things with wide receivers in the past, whether it be like a Michael Thomas of sorts, where it's just kind of those reoccurring nagging injuries. I am slightly concerned about DeAndre Hopkins' health heading into the playoffs. Again, being two weeks away, if Hopkins re-aggravates it again, say he plays this week um, against Chicago and re-aggravates it, you'd have to assume that he's out week one of the playoffs, which, again, Julie's team seems to suffice without him. But I don't really know if I trust guys like Michael Gallup and Michael Pittman to bring sustainable – either one of them to make up for like a wide receiver one type of productivity week over week. So I guess umbrella statement, I'm worried about her wide receivers, mostly DeAndre Hopkins's health, um, because I think that'll make her break her fantasy playoff debut, or I shouldn't say debut. She's been in the playoffs before, but round one, um, which is obviously, you know, you got to survive week one to get to the rest of them. Other than that, most of her team is pretty good. James Robinson's had a, Heck of a second half of the year. Cordell Patterson is really good at football. Dalton Schultz has been a very good pickup for her as well. She's found a lot of great waiver wire value between Schultz and Cordell Patterson this year, which has helped turn her season around. Austin Eckler's a stud. And then, you know, defenses and kickers, which I always say are just a crapshoot. So, and she also picked up Mac Jones as her backup quarterback. So who knows? He's also looked solid as well. So maybe he'll eventually take the Matt Stafford spot. Probably wouldn't be the move that I make, but. Julie's the fantasy manager, not me, so I'm sure she'll make the right decision. Heading into our next club, that would be me. Um, and I apologize, I misspoke. Julie's the projected five seed, not six seed. I am the projected four seed who would match up against her at this moment. And the Sam Demick's biggest question mark? Honestly, it's probably Kyler Murray. Same thing as DeAndre Hopkins. He's been out for a while. And Kyler Murray hasn't had the strongest fantasy year. He came out week one, guns blazing, drops 41 points. Week two, drops 39 fantasy points. And since then, has kind of just been average. Week six, he put up 33 points. And other than that, that was his only three 30-plus game performances. They all came within the first six weeks. And again, granted, he hasn't played. His last game was week eight. He's been out for a couple of weeks. And maybe it was the injury that was kind of nagging and bothering him that's been preventing him from fantasy production. But I, you know, I can't draw that up. Um, another concern that I have about my own team is I'm slightly worried about Najee Harris's fall in production. You know, similar story to Kyler Murray. He came out the first couple of weeks. Week one was slow. He had like five points. Um but then there was a stretch between like week two and week eight where he'd never had less than 14 fantasy points. And then from week nine on, 
He's only had less than 14 fantasy points. So I'm not sure if that's a, you know, people are kind of finding him out and knowing how to play him, you know, now they have more NFL film on him. Or if it's just, you know, whatever rookie woes, the Pittsburgh offense hasn't been that great either. But Najee Harris is trending down the last couple of weeks. And as someone who sold Nick Chubb because he thought he had a legitimate RB1 in Najee Harris, it's scaring me. I won't lie to you. Um, other than those two concerns, I think that's really been it for my team. I am slightly worried about where who's going to be a reliable flex. I feel like it's been a revolving carousel. Um, and when it comes to the playoffs, I don't love the idea of just kind of streaming different flexes that you like to usually have a guy by then. You know, Deontay Foreman did great this week. I might just have to keep playing my cards and rotating in flexes between him, Judy, Kyle Pitts, Rashad Bateman, J.D. McKissick, but none of them, neither of those guys have really stood out to be a clear-cut, you know, better flex option than the other, which doesn't, you know, makes me slightly uncomfortable, but it's not the worst situation to be in. I feel confident, though, that one of them every week should be able to provide fantasy value. It just makes my life harder because I have to pick which one it was. Going on to our actual six seed is Mr. Kyle Brandis. Now, Kyle's team, as you guys have known, was a seller at the trade deadline. They moved a lot of pieces. They acquired some draft capital. And then they've kind of been winning football games since then. I don't remember what exactly, but I feel like at some point Kyle was like a one in four team. And he's now six and six. Maybe I'm wrong about those numbers, but he wasn't doing too hot at the start of the season. He loses a guy like Bobby Trees. He trades away a whole bunch. I don't even remember what his original roster looks like anymore because I'm pretty sure most of these guys are brand new, you know, as of the trade deadline. But he's somehow in the playoff picture. And hey, good for you, Kyle. My biggest concern for Kyle is his wide receivers. Mainly because he has to start a guy that looks like either he has to start every week, either Brandon Cooks, Devontae Smith, or Marvin Jones Jr. And granted, that's paired with Mike Evans, who is, again, even himself is more of a boomer bust kind of guy. Now he's been getting a little bit more consistent work just with the injuries and whatnot having Antonio Brown out for the Buccaneers has provided him a little bit more opportunity but AB is going to come back so I don't love the wide receiver options that he has week by week um, again I think for how much selling he did his team is actually looks pretty good he also has Brandon Ayuk um, that I should also mention but he seems to be more of a flex guy that I don't, I don't know. He's been confusing all year because he was good last year and then didn't really play at the beginning of this year and now kind of looks like he's getting some more run with the 49ers. So I'll, I'll leave that one out to the jury. I, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan is doing there. But overall, wide receivers are concerned for Kyle. The rest of his team, you have Elijah Mitchell and Melvin Gordon as your running back one and two. Not the worst combination. Um but those wide receivers definitely can use some work. So we will see what happens there. And staying on with 
Kyle's potential matchup projected to be would be Matt Kress and his nerd squad. Now, the nerd squad actually looks like they're in a pretty solid position. I can't lie to you. Jalen Hurts has been a very good fantasy quarterback this year. Joe Mixon has been a very good fantasy running back this year. Pair with the fact now that Dalvin Cook is down, Matt Kress was savvy enough to pick up Alexander Madison way back when, kind of anticipating a Cook injury. Not that we ever root for injury, but as a fantasy manager, having backups is an important thing because these things do happen. And Alexander Madison has been a very, very productive fantasy running back when Dalvin Cook's out. It's a very simple one-for-one replacement between Cook out, Madison in. Madison puts up similar numbers to Cook. Why Dalvin Cook owners all don't roster Alexander Madison as an insurance option does not make sense to me. Um, Not a fantasy advice podcast, but if you do have a very good fantasy running back, and you know that if they get injured, there's going to be one guy to replace them, you should probably have that insurance guy somewhere on your bench. But I'm not a fantasy advice podcast. I just report on the league. So his running backs look strong. His wide receivers look solid with Deontay Johnson and T. Higgins. George Kittle as your tight end. And then also sitting in his flex right now is Alvin Kamara. Now to add spot to be in. Now, where am I concerned with Mr. Matt Crest comes in is almost more of a depth concern of his team. You know, he has his bench is okay. He's got Damian Harris. He's got Antonio Brown. He's got Tony Pollard, Emmanuel Sanders, Odo Beckham Jr. Roger Stevenson. He even rosters a backup defense in the Eagles who he's right now starting the bears defense against Arizona and not the Eagles versus the jets. Again, not a fantasy advice podcast, Mr. Kress, but your your defense picking in the past has been questionable at best. So I, I recommend that you reconsider your defense, but hey, it's your decision, not mine. But my biggest concern with Matt's team, I think goes back to the quarterback in Jalen Hurts, especially as of late, as David loves to mention, Jalen Hurts gets a ton of fantasy gold in garbage time. And somehow, some way, the Eagles are a much more competitive football team. And Jalen Hurts isn't seeing as much garbage time, which is hurting his fantasy stats. He put up six points last week because they were in like a 13 to 7. I don't I wouldn't even call it a, a defensive matchup. Both teams just played very bad. But as a result, Jalen Hurts didn't really score because of that. And as I kind of mentioned with I think it was Stafford. Those sorts of poor quarterback performances can really break a fantasy season. And sorry, it was Justin Herbert that I said that, not uh, Matt Stafford. But it's something to be wary of when you're talking about fantasy implications. Six points from your fantasy quarterback. Most weeks will lose you a game. I know it didn't lose you this week, Matt, because I think the rest of your team just like went off. But yeah, I'm a little worried about Jalen Hurts. And granted, if that's your biggest concern, you know, any quarterback can have a clunker any week. I'm honestly, the more I look at Matt's roster, I'm actually kind of scared of him. I don't see a lot of holes that I can really poke at here. Um, the only other hole I guess you can kind of mention is the fact that if Dalvin Cook does come back, you know, during the playoffs and you're down Alex Madison, 
then all of a sudden you're kind of looking at a carousel of do you start Damian Harris? Do you start Ramondre Stevenson? Do you start Tony Pollard? None of them are really comfortable running back options, but it'll be one that you have to pick and you're probably not going to start Madison because he really doesn't get any productive, you know, fantasy value when Dalvin Cook's in the game. So that is another thing that I guess I'm concerned about. But overall, Matt's team looks pretty freaking good. I, I'm scared, guys. You guys should be scared as well. That's the real deal. And that takes us to our very last uh, playoff team, which would be Sean and his Gotham Rogues. Now, Sean's team, again, through some very, very – Good trades that he's made this season. I guess we'll call them good trades. Has a good roster. He's got a guy like Aaron Jones. He's got Jonathan Taylor. Those are two very good running backs. He's got Lamar Jackson. He's got Aaron Rodgers. Two very good quarterbacks when you can only really play one. He's got Terry McLaurin. He's got Jalen Waddell. He's got Hunter Renfro. Tyler Boyd. They're not as intriguing characters. Um, but where I see issue with Sean's roster at the moment would be his tight end position. Because well, currently he's starting Pat Fryermuth, who's been a, a good fantasy tight end, but he hasn't been great. He's been a little bit boomer busty. But what's most likely is going to happen is when he's healthy, Darren Waller's going to get the run. How can you – you can't pick against Darren Waller. He's, he's that one of those names in fantasy where you just almost have to start him because how do you not? And Darren Waller this year hasn't really been great since week one. I don't even know. Like he had 10 receptions week one and caught a touchdown. Um, since then he's had two double digit fantasy performances. One of them, he caught a touchdown. The other one, he had seven receptions for 116 yards versus Cincinnati. Um, granted that was week 11. So some recency bias there, but overall, I think again, in the fantasy playoffs, everything matters. Darren Waller has been, we'll call it an underwhelming tight end this year. He was probably drafted as the second tight end after Travis Kelsey maybe third behind like a Mark Andrews. And again, kind of going back to what I was saying about Najee Harris, same rules apply with Pat Fryermuth, the, or the Patriots, the Steelers defense just doesn't or Steelers offense. I'm all over the place. I apologize. It doesn't really move. Well, I have concerns with every Steelers pass catcher. That's getting a ball from Ben Roethlisberger heading into any game. So yeah, I don't really know what else to say other than, Look out for your tight ends, hold them close to your chest and hope that one of your quarterbacks is healthy because it seems like they've also kind of been iffy with Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers right now. But Sean, we'll see what you can do. We'll see what everyone can do in our fantasy playoffs. And maybe these aren't the teams in here. We'll find out. But what we won't have to find out is something about a great podcasting place platform that was the word i was looking for not podcast place podcast platform with our sponsor anchor and we are back to our week 13 preview it's time for everyone's favorite the pickums again 
no one submitted their pickums prior to this show, and I'm the only one on the show. So you're only going to get my pickums, and maybe the other guys will make them public during the week. So let's get right into it. We'll start with my matchup. It's the first one on the board. It is myself versus John Luca. We're back in divisional play. Uh, we were last week. We're still going through this week, and it will go until the end of the regular season now. So these games are important. John Luca fighting for his playoff hopes. Kyle's daddy versus myself, the Sam Demics. Taking a look at the rosters, obviously I'm going to pick myself. I've picked myself every single week. I'm going to continue to pick myself every single week. I've only been wrong three times. I think my quarterback, assuming that Kyler Murray plays being healthy, he's been out for a while now. I miss him and hope he's doing well. Kyler Murray is a better play against Chicago than Taylor Heineke is against Las Vegas. Najee versus Baltimore is intriguing, but so is Ezekiel Elliott versus New Orleans. So I'll cancel those out. I'll call an even split. Leonard Fournette versus Javante Williams against KC. Um, Leonard Fournette has Atlanta. I mean, come on. Leonard Fournette going against the Atlanta Falcons better be a run show. I'll keep my fingers crossed, though. But I like that matchup a little bit better. My wide receivers, assuming that C.D. Lamb is healthy, I'll have Keenan Allen and C.D. Lamb going at it. I'll have Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. I think that's, again, going to be a bloodbath between all four wide receivers. They're all big point getters. Uh, Jefferson's playing against Detroit. Tyreek Hill's got Denver. It's a you know, this could be a, a big scoring opportunity um, for both sides. So I'll draw them even. Might give a slight upper hand to Luca, but I don't think it would be by much enough to swing a game. Um, what is something enough to swing a game is Travis Kelsey versus Tyler Higby. Travis Kelsey is one of the better tight ends in fantasy football. And Tyler Higby has been meh the last couple of weeks, especially with the addition of OBJ um, and all the targets that Matt Stafford has to play with there. And then at my flex, I actually have not changed my flex yet. It's still Deontay Foreman. Um, but it'll probably end up being Jerry Judy. I have to pick my flex, guys. Um, but he's got Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay really hasn't been fantasy relevant all year, to my knowledge. I'm going to double-check those numbers now. Yeah, no, the most he's, he's put up 11.6 points against New Orleans. That's his only double-digit performance. He's a five to six point a game guy, it looks like. So I'm not too worried about that. And then you got kickers and special teams, which, again, are continual crapshoots. So I'll hold off on any judgment there. But overall, I think this game will be close. John Lucas' team, as we know, has the ability to either put up 60 points or 160 points. I sure hope this is a 60-point week for him because if he puts up 160 and he goes off, my team's going to have a lot of work to do. But getting into our next matchup, we have Jim, who was recently eliminated from the playoffs, and Larry's JK We Lit squaring off against one another. Now it's intriguing because somehow, some way, well, actually, I know how, because Nick Chubb's on by. Um, Jim's team is currently projected to win. If I had to guess, Larry's got some sort of waiver wire ad already queued up for waivers that go through tonight. Um, the show is being recorded on Tuesday. So, and he's also got the Browns defense on by. So, okay. So Larry's team is projected for about 74 points with Jarvis Landry on the by. 
Um, he hasn't replaced him yet either. Larry's team, probably somewhere in that ballpark. He's got two players on by. You guys know where I stand, though. Hashtag, why not Larry? I'm taking Larry, the boomer bust guy. I'm calling for the boom. Maybe it'll be a Mike Williams day. I don't know. It, we had one Mike Williams day recently. Maybe we'll get another. But Jim's team, I think, has just kind of fallen back these last couple of weeks. I really just don't see a way for a 3-9 and nine team to win. So give me Larry in that matchup. Going on to Team Brandis versus Team Mandarano. Kyle's team is pretty much at full strength still. Meanwhile, Nick's team, who's already down, Derrick Henry, is and Chase Edmonds, his two usual starting running backs, um, is also going to be down AJ, AJ Dillon and Chuba Hubbard this week as they're both on bye. That's enough for me to see that Kyle's got a heavy, heavy, heavy advantage because the only active, healthy running back that plays this week on Nick's roster currently is James Conner, who's a good – he's been great this year. Um, he's had a couple of big weeks, but to go find a productive running back in waiver wires this late in the season is a very tough task. Kyle's team is at full strength. They're hot. They're rolling. He's got Josh Allen going for him. Nick's currently got Joe Burrow starting over Patrick Mahomes. Intriguing move. Let's see how that plays out for him. You like the quarterback matchup better. I would have liked it regardless. Josh Allen's been better fantasy-wise this year than Patrick Mahomes. The running backs are better. Nick's wide receivers are probably better. He's got DK Metcalf and Cole Beasley going against Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans. I like Dawson Knox over Mike Gesicki. I like Brandon Ayuk over Evan Ingram. And then there's defense and kickers, which I don't care about. So convincingly, I take Kyle's team in that matchup. Making my way to the other podcast host, David and the Good Ankles are hosting Rob and Jim as a bye week. Another very intriguing matchup that's going to be very, very dependent on Daryl Henderson's health, in my opinion. I'm going to click in real fast to take a look at what his injury status is because I'm not all too familiar with it. Let's see. A quadricep injury. Henderson is limited in practice this week due to health concerns, but should not be a long-term issue. So maybe Daryl Henderson doesn't play this week. If Daryl Henderson doesn't play this week, David should be scared. Because... Taking a look at the rest of the, the matchup here, assuming Dalvin Cook's not playing, you got to start either Jordan Howard or Mark Ingram alongside Matt Breida as your other running back there. Um, now, Nick doesn't have the – or sorry, Rob doesn't have the scariest running backs either. With CEH and Jamal Williams, we all know how I feel about CEH. I'm not sure what the status on DeAndre Swift is either, but Jamal Williams, if he is the number one guy, is going to get some good run, and that'll be a plus for Rob. This one's going to be close. Russ has been struggling. Justin Herbert's probably a little bit of a better option there. (sighs) 
you know, I almost want to go with the four and eight team to beat the nine and three team. I've on paper, I was like, don't even think about it. Pick David. But Rob, I think has a chance. I think just for the sake of mayhem and hopes that David also loses because a loss would benefit my team. I'm going to pick Rob this week. I'm going to pick the four and eight. Jim is a bye weeks. Rob showing us that he's not going to be a bye week and he's going to go take down David. A good matchup of David versus Goliath, except David's not David. David's Goliath and Rob is David. If that makes sense. Anyway, before I confuse anyone else. Um, and also, for what it's worth, in the previous matchup, the last time they met, Rob did beat David by a score of 102.62 to 81.22. So this has happened before this season. So, yeah, I'm going to take Rob. I'm just updating this in our in our pick'ems sheet. I want to make sure this is on the record. I'm taking Rob over David. That's what you get, David, for not showing up this week. All right, and in our second-to-last matchup, we have Alex Gill and Philly D's Nuts versus Matt Cress and the Nerd Squad. I'm not going to waste everyone's time with this and go through a deep analysis. Matt's team is just better than Alex Gill's team. I, As I kind of talked about in the playoff preview, the things to be scared of, there's not really much about Matt's team that I'm – I mean, there's a lot of that I'm personally scared of, but if I was Matt, I would not be scared of. I mean, holy crap. Jalen Hurts is a very good quarterback going against the Jets, who are a very bad football team. Joe Mixon's been on fire this year. Alexander Madison's going to be essentially a top 15 play this week. Deontay Johnson has been a target magnet all season long. That's really your only concerns is Deontay Johnson and T. Higgins, which if that's your biggest concerns, you're living a good life. George Kittle's still one of the top tight ends in fantasy. He's been turning it around this year. Assuming that Kamara is healthy and is playing, I mean, top to bottom, that's a great team. There's not really anyone on Gill's team. Maybe you could say Mark Andrews and Gronk are a better tight end option than Kittle right now. But other than that, you could maybe persuade me that David Montgomery is better than one of Matt's backs. I just think Matt's team is head and shoulders better than Alex Gill. And I think Matt's going to improve to eight and five and Gill's going to become four and nine. And yeah, I think this will be a pretty convincing win for Matt. Matt also in this matchup did win previously. 74 to 72 was the final score there. And going into our last but not least matchup of the week, we have Sean and the Gotham Rogues and Julie and her Oz Broncos squaring off against one another. Now, this one's been tricky. This one's very tricky. The last time these two matched up in league play week two, I'm just going to be honest, Sean blew the doors off of Julie 148.5 to 82.9. Just an absolute bloodbath. So you got to imagine that the Oz Broncos know that heading into this game. They want some revenge. I think this is really going to come down to what kind of Matthew Stafford do we see and what kind of Lamar Jackson do we see? Because both of them were not good last week from fantasy and just NFL perspective. Neither of them looked great. I think both of them have pretty good running backs. Sean definitely has the upper hand with just having Jonathan Taylor. He's a beast. Jonathan Taylor has been 
incredible this fantasy season. Um, but James Robinson, Cordero Patterson, as a one-two punch, probably outweigh you guys all know me. I don't like Josh Jacobs for fantasy football. He's a little bit too touchdown dependent for me. Um, even with his matchup against the football team, I think the one-two punch of Patterson and Robinson is probably a little bit better than Taylor and Jacobs from a total points per game basis. Um, but it's close. It's definitely close. The wide receivers are a similar story. You got Gallup and Pittman. Um, let me actually double check on Hopkins' health status this week because I thought he was set to return as well um, with Kyler Murray. I'm going to do some quick reading here, see if there's any sort of rundown or outlook. Yeah, so Hopkins is playing this week. Um, so I assume he's going to get subbed in as a wide receiver or a flex of some sort, but we'll see. That's Julie's call, not mine. But if he is, some sort of one-two punch of either Hopkins and Gallup or Hopkins and Pittman is comparable to Terry McLaurin and Jalen Waddle. And honestly, Dalton Schultz has probably been a little bit of a better tight end than Pat Fryermuth. And then going into the flex of Diggs versus Eckler, I mean, that's a battle of the Titans there. I do probably prefer Eckler to Diggs. But, I mean, Diggs is also a guy that could go off for 40 fantasy points with that Buffalo offense. Wow, this is another close one. And I think for the sake of revenge, I'm going to pick Julie and the Oz Broncos are going to come in, maybe not blow the doors off and get the revenge that Sean did when they embarrassed the Oz Broncos week two. But I think she will get her – will she get her comeuppance? Am I using that word correctly? Someone let me know if I'm using – Julie will get her comeuppets. That sounds right. Julie will get her comeuppets and beat Sean this week, just strengthening her chance of getting into the playoffs. And that, folks, wraps up the Week 13 Pick'ems, the Week 13 Preview Edition of Hawk Hill Focus. I thank you all so much for bearing with me as I ride here solo. I'm sure it wasn't the most entertaining shows, but your support of the show is much appreciated to me. If you have any feedback, hate comments, if you want to make fun of me, whatever whatever floats your boat, um, do so on our mailbag. It should be linked in the show notes. You can leave almost like a voicemail-esque type of uh, response or a question as we head into the tail end of our regular fantasy football season. Don't worry, there will be playoff shows. We're not done yet. But as always, continue to support the show. We're very appreciative of the time that you spend with us here every week. And until next week, I will let Father Dan Joyce take it away. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to fly. The hawk will never die.